0: Good morning, my name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church and it's a blessing to be here with you wherever you're here may be, whether you're here in the building or joining us uh, virtually from elsewhere. Uh, So if you were with us last week, you, you may recall that we did something similar as far as seating separation, except we were in opposite sides. Um, we're on opposite we're different opposite sides but for the same reason we went a whole week uh, without a COVID positive in the house until Friday so uh, my clock has restarted so I'm back in my COVID bubble and here I am by myself Um, uh, so uh, uh, but we 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 had all kinds of plans in place um, just in case and uh, but here we are here we are so we Starting a new year, and as we do so, we celebrate uh, two holy days in one this year. It just depends on how the, the church calendar falls. It is both Epiphany Sunday, celebrating um, the coming of the wise men, of the Magi, of, of the uh, awareness of the Messiah's presence, and also Jesus' baptism. So, children's message took us to the Magi. And we jump, let's say, 30 years um, from the Magi to Jesus' baptism. And to do so, we turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So here we are on the first Sunday of a new year um, after we have celebrated many New Year's traditions. Some have traditions that involve um, noise, others with food, and uh, several other ways of celebrating um, And most of these things that we do find their roots in some really old traditions, even if we don't even remember where they come from. The New Year's Eve, the New Year's kiss. That is an old tradition uh, so that you kiss the person that you hope to keep kissing. That's where that comes from. Making noise, uh, you know, whether it's firecrackers and fireworks Um, Around the world, Denmark, they throw plates and glasses against each other's front doors. Um, Other people um, do other loud things. And it all goes back to these old traditions of driving away demons and darkness. Some people, it's about the food. Are there any, what is it, black-eyed peas and collard green folks? Is it black-eyed peas and collard greens? Is that what? What was that? And cornbread. Yeah, folks, see, yeah, no, I didn't do that either. But some people, there's certain foods that we must eat that as we ring in the new year, some of them are to bring luck, some of it just because that's what we do. And then the one that gains most prominence is we start the year off with the new leaf by making resolutions. I resolve to be more to be less, to do whatever, um, starting a new year. And all of it is the focus on the coming year, improving our chances, making the best of the possibilities, starting off on the right foot. And whether it's the merriment we make or the foods we consume, the resolutions we make, or whatever practice we bring into our lives, we make these we follow these traditions, looking forward to a new year with new beginnings. But the reality is we don't have to wait till July 1st to start new stuff, and for the most part, we know it. We're aware on some level that every day is an opportunity to begin again. My fifth grade teacher at Dale City Elementary, Mr. Staunton, had all these sayings that he made us say at the beginning of our class. We didn't say them all at one time, but he had different ones that we would say on different days. And they were groaners. Every last one of them was a groaner. However, there was truth in most of Well, there's truth in all of them, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> one of them was, be your best, best educated students today. That was corny. But the one that I think of about, Um, when I think about New Year's, but mostly about new beginnings, is that today is the first day of the rest of my life. Today, not, what's today? June 7th, I mean January 7th, not January 1st, or not just those days, but any day. is the first day of the rest of my life. Every day is an opportunity for a new beginning. To take a next step in the right direction, and particularly as the people of God, thinking about how we live more fully into our faith, to become more fully who we are meant to be as God's people. So, this year we begin with a focus on our continuous process of becoming, and specifically of becoming God's people. Being God's people is both a current reality, but it's also a lifelong pursuit. We are in faith God's people now, but we are also always striving towards the goal of our faith. And that goal is not just the question of our salvation, though it begins there. Sometimes we put all of our emphasis in, on that basket. But in our understanding of faith as people who uh, of, the, of the Methodist of the Wesleyan way of faith, This act of becoming lies on the other side of the door of salvation, as John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, himself described it. Our justification, which is the moment we welcome God's free gift of forgiveness that becomes our salvation, it opens the doorway to a whole new world of possibilities in life, in life with Christ. This is the journey of sanctification, of becoming more and more holy, more and more those whom God has created and called us to be. It's leaning towards the full potential of who we could be in God's gloriously divine imagination. It's living in light of the blessings of the incarnation of God with us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's living into our salvation, and that means it's a lifelong journey. A lifelong journey of faith that isn't meant to be a daily pulse check, making sure we're saved. A lifelong pursuit of our faith is to live life to its fullest in light of our salvation and the kingdom possibilities that come with it. And today's lesson of becoming is centered on the event of Jesus' baptism. Notice that we started in Mark 1. This is the beginning of of Mark's telling of the good news of Jesus Christ. doesn't begin with a birth story, even a cosmic one like John uses. It begins with a message about a messenger. It begins with John, Jesus' cousin, the one who leapt in his mother's womb when he heard Mary's voice who was carrying Jesus within her womb. Mark 1 begins this way, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet and Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Begins with the message about John, and from there we meet John, down at the Jordan River, out In the Judean wilderness. Cousin John's role was to to prepare the way for Jesus. To get people ready for the Messiah. Letting them know of the Christ's greatness and his goodness. Even remarking about how Jesus' baptism, how the Messiah's baptism would be different than John's own. As a part of John's ministry, he pe- preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, inviting the people of Israel out of the cities and into a, a new journey of faith. And like the book of Exodus, when the people of Israel followed Moses through the wilderness as they fled slavery in Egypt towards the promised land, John was inviting his contemporaries into the wilderness to begin again, a journey of faith that would we- reawaken their Within them, the, their identity is God's people. We get this image of John. We get this image of crowds. Mark's gospel is very quick. You, if you know John's story from other gospels, there's a lot of other things that happen there. But John tells things very quickly. Because as soon as we have a, 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 an understanding, uh, just the beginning of an understanding of who John the baptizer is, we meet Jesus. Jesus. And John immediately recognizes him. We don't know if they had family gatherings and they met, or if this was the first time he saw him, and he just knew like he knew Mary's voice. But he knows him. And Jesus comes to be baptized. And why does Jesus need to be baptized? We've heard of John's baptism as one of repentance, of turning towards God. And we know Jesus' life is lived with God, for he is God so why Jesus and his baptism? John's already given us a little bit of an indication of why. I mean, yes, John has, um, as he talked about Jesus' baptism being with the Holy Spirit. And as we see in Jesus' baptism, we see the fullness of our own. All this begins uh, for John with his baptism, with a confession of sins and then the cleansing of those sins, as they use the water, signifying that use, like we would as we were taking a bath. And John says that Jesus's would be more. But with John's baptism, it's limited. It's limited to the cleansing of sins that had been committed up to that moment. That was a momentary cleansing. Jesus's cleansing would be greater and, and far more further reaching. In Jesus, we see that it continues to be a cleansing and using water, but also through means of the Holy Spirit has a far greater reach. The act of baptism is revealed to be more than just a, a cleansing, it's revealed to be a means of identification, of marking us and our souls by the presence of God's Spirit. For the crowds that John had attracted, that understanding of who they were as God's people leads them to repentance as we, as acknowledging limitations and brokenness. And in Jesus, there's no need. For him, it was all about identity. And after his baptism, he comes out of the water and we hear this, see this beautiful image the voice of heaven declaring Jesus as the beloved son. And for us, it's meant, those words are meant to be echoed every time we recall our baptism and our identity as those who have been baptized, remembering that we are children of God, beloved and cherished. So what's the lesson in all this for us? You may already see it and, or, uh, and, and know it and understand it, but How does this relate to us? We're not Jesus. We aren't those crowds. And I'm not John the Baptizer. So for us, it becomes an invitation of becoming. An invitation to a journey of faith as we remember and reaffirm who we are, who we are becoming, and who we belong to. It's about invitation and repentance, identity, and affirmation In our Wesleyan tradition as the as United Methodist Church, we understand that God is already at work in our hearts before we even know who he is, much less say yes to him. John Wesley would call that the prevenient activity of God's grace, working within us before our awareness of it. And there are many ways that grace is acting preveniently in, in the world, but one of those is through an invitation to know and to respond to God. And there are those around us, like John, who give us that opportunity. But it is God who issues the invitation and opens our spiritual eyes to his love and grace, saving grace. John's call to repentance is an invitation to start a spiritual journey towards God. That initial response hopefully leads to an acceptance of God's gift of salvation as we acknowledge our need of a Savior and just as much we acknowledge that the world needs saving. That would be our Wesleyan understanding of the justifying nature of God's grace. There are multiple facets of grace, and they don't all act at once. Often there is interplay, but mostly they build one upon the other. And once we've initiated that response, we ourselves confess, repent of our sins. It's the ongoing acknowledgement that we are still becoming that we still fall short of God's will and that we still have room for the Holy Spirit to grow within us so that we may mean it when we say, not my will, but yours be done, O Lord. I love the language Mark uses to describe the moment following Jesus' baptism. Jesus saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Not only is this a picture of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in one moment, but we also hear language that echoes Genesis. It's in Genesis 6 that we hear similar language of the heavens being opened. In Genesis 6, in the flood story, the windows of the heaven were opened. But this time, rather than signaling doom and destruction, this brings a sign of God's pleasure in the initiation of our salvation. God's affirmation of Jesus' identity as well as John's teaching of Jesus' baptism as one of spirit helps us to understand the larger activity of baptism. We see that our baptism is more than just an event that cleanses us from our sins up to that moment. It cleanses us of sin with a capital S. Not the individual acts, but the burden of our bent towards sinfulness. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. It just means that as we commit our lives to following Jesus, we sin less often. As we allow the identity of being God's people to grow within us. Pushes away that inclination towards sinfulness it means that now we have a capacity indeed to sin less the more we grow in the likeness of Christ. And as the spirit within us grows more and more in godliness, it becomes less about not sinning and more about walking in the likeness of Christ. And it becomes like what we read in Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed with thousands of rams, with ten, thousand, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? All of these are sin offerings in response to our sinfulness. But Micah concludes that with not about sinning less or repentance of sin or or gaining favor to to cleanse us of our sin he turns it around he says he has told you O mortal what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with your god our baptism is an identity and a transforming gift it enables us to live into the fullness of our faith. It does, not, it, it does enable us to sin less often, and that's important. But more importantly, it empowers us to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. That's what John Wesley described as the sanctifying nature of God's grace, increasing in holiness in response to our salvation. This is where when I was preparing my sermon, I was like, but I've got like five other points, but I won't. Don't worry. So let me stop with this. If you not, have not received the sacrament of, of baptism and want to learn more about it, what it means to be marked by God's spirit and identified as an active part of the family of God, I invite you to come contact Pastor Minu or me, and we'll talk about it. If that's too intimidating, find a trusted person of faith. And speak to them first, and then come to Pastor Manu or I, and we'll talk to you about that and what it means to be marked by the Holy Spirit, to become one of the baptized. If you are baptized, as we hear and read again the story of Jesus' baptism, I invite you to remember. Remember who you are, who you are becoming in and through Christ Jesus and to whom you belong. And while we may not see the heavens torn open, a vision of a dove descending, or hear a voice of affirmation, trust that in your baptism you were marked, claimed, and affirmed as a beloved child of God. Now, go and live accordingly. Amen.